Hello and welcome to The Jewelarian, the podcast for those who love jewels and their stories. With me, Josie Goodbody, jewellery historian and author of the Jemima Fox mystery series, which have just been optioned for adaption to the screen. So today I'm talking with Martin Katz, Beverly Hills jeweller to the stars, for more than 30 years, with a Rolodex to give anyone a run for their money. I met Martin at his store off Rodeo Drive just over five years ago, and it is such a pleasure to be talking to him today. Hi, Martin. Thank you so much for being here. Well, over in Beverly Hills, that is, and therefore talking to me over Zoom about the world of award season jewels. Well, it's my pleasure to be here with you. It's been too long. You have to come visit more often. I definitely do. Gosh, give me a ticket to LA and I will be there. (laughs) Um, You have been in the audience of one of the most exciting businesses in the world for so long now. I'm obviously talking about Hollywood and have come across so many of its major players that it is such a joy to be able to live through you for a few minutes a day. It's always been my dream of going to the Oscars ever since Whoopi Goldberg said, gosh, I don't know, whenever she was hosting the Oscars, I was very was young. a long time ago. I was very young and I remember her standing on the stage and she was looked out at the audience and she said, little girl, wherever you are, one day you're going to be up here. And I, I'm never going to be up there for winning an never Oscar. Never say never. <laughs> I found that really, every time I think about that now, I actually find that quite kind of, an emotional thing. I just remember for such a long time wanting to be an actress and actually I'm married to an actor. So um, Martin, can you, firstly, before we talk about the red carpet, I'd love to talk to you about your career, how you started and with whom you might have apprenticed with and worked for before starting your own store and brand, Martin Katz. So you're assuming I needed to apprentice and I wasn't born with these skills. Well, I okay. mean, I think everyone is born. No, but I think everyone is born with a skill. Actually, it was acquired uh, taste and talent for me. Jewelry found me. I didn't find it. Um, I did apprentice with a, a very fine firm that was one of the oldest firms in Los Angeles. Not old by British terms, but old by Los Angeles terms where some of our architecture is more than 50 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, At any rate, I, I, uh, the firm was a a firm named Lakin Jewelers and they were in a classic, very fine lady specialty store called I Magnon, which uh, sadly no longer exists, but they were a department store dedicated solely to women. And there was, I don't know, five, six, seven floors, every floor, something different in apparel, makeup, uh, uh, et cetera. And they had this magnificent second level of all the couture dress designers. And back then, when I was in my early 20s, I'd go up there and I'd see women or or couples sitting there in in little love seats and watch the models come out in the different dresses that worked for iMagnon. And they'd step on the little risers, you know, and twirl and just, uh, you know, just very classic uh, what you see in the 1930s movies. And Gosh. and the, the Lake and Jewelry Store was founded in 1939. So there was so much of that nostalgia. And it's there that he hired me uh, right out of college after I had uh, moved to California, borrowed $300 from my mother to drive across the country, slept on my cousin's sofa while I was looking for a job. 
uh, after every jeweler turned me down. And the only reason I looked to get a job in a jewelry store is that I sold puka shells and silver and ivory in college. And I thought, well, I used to sell jewelry. Maybe I could get a job in a jewelry store. Just wanted to live in California for a year, then oh go back God. to my I hometown. Wanna live, I, I, wanna, I still want to live in California. <laughs> so at any rate, he did uh, ultimately hire me. And uh, I was a an apprentice, an assistant, actually is a, a better term for me, at the watch counter. And there I learned about Patek Philippe's and Audemars Piquet's and, uh, and all the other high brands. And uh, in my first month or so, I sold a couple Patek Philippe's. So I, I thought, oh, I have a knack for this. And then they moved me over to jewelry. And one of their big focuses was on the vintage and estate jewelry. Yeah. So I learned a lot about that and all the international dealers and many, many UK dealers that would come to see us all the time that are still, some of them still in business. Really? And like, for example, who? Well, now you're really taxing my Actually, don't worry. Like, it doesn't them, matter. We're talking about you. We're not talking a, about A like couple this. of them. I remember visiting a few of them, like in the Burlington Arcade. Yes. Uh, and then some Ooh. other up, upstairs uh, guys that were around and um, and then a bunch of Geneva people. And but at any rate, I would I would learn from them. And so while my apprentice was certainly my employer, I really apprenticed for all these dealers yeah. in that every time they come, I would quiz them to death. Why is this sapphire worth more than that size? What do you mean Burmese versus Ceylon? What do you mean by this? What do you mean by that? And they'd explain to me, and they'd explain to me about all the signed jewelry that they would have. Uh, this is Cartier London. This is Cartier Paris. This is Le Cloche Frere. This is uh, Van Cleef. This, you know. And they'd explain to me about all the houses and the signatures. So that became my focus for a long time. And of course, the, the firm also had uh, new uh, designed uh, contemporary jewelry. And I, I learned about the making of that and the makers of, of that jewelry, many of which were in New York uh, primarily at that time uh, that we dealt with. And then along came, uh, fast forward of quite a number of years, They well, after a few years, I moved to San Francisco and I managed their store there, where I met amazing people like the, uh, and who became my clients, like the author, Danielle Steele, or mm-hmm. also Ann Getty, Gordon Getty's wife, uh, you know, Countless others, uh, some names you would probably recognize, others you wouldn't. Come on, but tell me more. Tell me more names. <laughs> <Love> name. <laughs> <laughs> Denise Hale and uh, Pat Montandon. And, wow. yeah, I mean, these are Herb Kane, who was their famous columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle. At any rate, um, I learned a lot both about uh, society. Uh, how the affluent dress and the jewelry they prefer and the styles they prefer and kept um, developing my taste for jewelry. And fast forward again, and ultimately it was time for me to make changes in my life. I'd been doing jewelry for about 10 years and I thought, and I quit my job, which was right after the American stock market crash of 87. And, um, I was, you know, still pretty young and didn't know what I was going to do. And some dealers within the jewelry industry said to me, you know, you're really quite talented at this. You ought to stay in the jewelry business. And I said, you know, I don't think I I want to work for anybody anymore. And they said, well, start your own business. And I said, I have no money. 
it's a very capital intensive business. I lost everything I did have in the stock market crash. I have a couple thousand dollars left in my name. So that's not in the cards. And they said, well, what if we were to loan you some jewelry and you pay for it when you sell it? I thought, well, I could try that. Yeah. And that's what I did. And I would borrow two or three pieces and I'd go to various clients and I would make sales. And as it turned out in my first year, I ended up doing two million in sales from my little table in my one bedroom apartment. Oh my goodness. And me. Drive in, that's in Los Angeles. <laughs> and that's I mean, that's unthinkable for I mean that's uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's incredible. I was rather astonished, but I was I was traveling a lot and uh, going to San Francisco a lot, and then you know developing people around LA. I was going. But these weren't jewels that you made. These were jewels that you. No, these were jewels. These were mostly vintage or something that was might have been new, but it wasn't like super contemporary. And you know, so I was trading, and I I like to trade as I learned in all the signed pieces uh, as they were always very desirable and they always brought the most money and they uh, usually were the most special. Mm-hmm. So as I d- got more and more successful in that, I took a penthouse apartment on Wilshire Boulevard and I moved my business there and people would come and uh, sit in our living room with this magnificent 270 degree view of Los Angeles. Oh my God. And uh, at the bar, I'd open the drawers and instead of a napkin or a corkscrew i'd pull out a pair of earrings or <laughs> a bracelet amazing. or a ring and yeah. and so that that's where i would see my clients and it was all quite exciting uh for me and for them uh it was such a beautiful environment and that's and i i didn't exactly have a great formula to build a business because i was concerned for security since i had so much jewelry in this apartment so I had an unlisted phone number and an unpublished address. You could only find me by referral. Amazing. Which is also so and, exciting, isn't it? For the clients. Right. And, and some people, oh, yes. And some people would wonder why I wanted to be so, you know, hidden. Anonymous. And, you know, like yeah. they thought it was affected. <laughs> it's like, no, I was just concerned for my safety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, at any rate, uh, in, in time, as my name and brand became known, and I continued to do well, uh, one day I got a call from a client who was part-time actress, and she said, I'm with my co-star doing this new film. She mentioned your name, and I said, my gosh, he's a friend of mine. She's told me that she loves your jewelry, and she asked me to have you come down to the movie set if you wouldn't mind, and show her some things. I said, of course, I'd be delighted. And I go down to the movie set, and I say, hi, I'm Martin Katz. And she said, hi, I'm Sharon Stone. No. <laughs> I, I certainly didn't know who she was. And I said, well, it's nice to meet you. And well, here's the jewelry I have. And I showed her jewelry. And the next day, her, my friend called me and said, oh, my God, Martin, you made such an impression on Sharon. And she loves that necklace and earring she was looking at. And she'd like to borrow them for her premiere of Basic Instinct. Oh, my God. And oh I my said, God. wow, um, I thought she wanted to buy them. I'm sorry, but I don't loan jewelry. And 
my friends said, well, my gosh, Martin, she's going to be a huge star and she'll be photographed everywhere. The jewelry will be seen everywhere. And I said, I'm sure you're probably right. Uh, the jewelry will be seen everywhere and she'll look beautiful and she'll be famous and no one will know where the jewelry came from. But I will have to um, take all the risk in case something happens. In those days, I didn't have insurance for such a thing. Um, and I said, so if she breaks it or loses it, it'll be, sorry, Martin, uh, it broke or it lost. Call your insurance company. And I have only downside and no upside. So I thank her very much for the compliment. But I, I don't loan jewelry. About 20 minutes later, the president of Paramount Pictures calls me. Yeah. And John Goldwyn. And he says, you know, Martin, uh, I understand Sharon wants to borrow this jewelry from you for her for the premiere of Basic Instinct. And, you know, really, you got to loan it to her. And I said exactly what I just described to you, why I take all the risk and get no reward. And he said, but this is going to be the biggest movie we've had in a very long time. She's going to be our biggest star. And I can't tell her no. And I'm, I said, well, I'm sure Winston went on it to her. They're the red carpet jeweler. And she, he said, she only wants to wear your jewelry. So would you loan it to her as a favor to me? And I said, well, certainly if you ask me for a personal favor, and by the way, he was a client of mine. Yeah. I said, you asked me for a personal favor. Of course, I will honor a personal favor. And so consider it done. She can wear the jewelry. And I said, and I don't know why I thought of this. I said, but I'd like a favor in return. He said, of course. I said, is she wearing jewelry on some magazine covers? Will she be doing magazine covers and publicity? Mm -hmm. He said, absolutely. I said, then I want my jewelry on every magazine cover that she photographs, because at least I'll get a byline. That he said, done. I mean, that's, yeah, that's brilliant. Of course. Why shouldn't she? <laughs> so... The movie came out. It was a smash. She became the biggest star in the world. And of course, she was on every magazine cover. And there was my jewelry right along with her. And I got my byline as promised. I was not allowed to watch Basic Instinct for a very long time. <laughs> my mother wouldn't let me watch Pretty Woman. I was barely allowed to watch anything. But when I watched Basic Instinct, I remember exactly where I was. I, it was the most brilliant film, wasn't it? I mean, really, yes. it was so fab and so kind of I don't know she's so it was very cutting edge then and her Michael Douglas it was just there are very few films I think that are as iconic my god that is the one most wonderful story thank you for telling me that so you're welcome so that helped bring me the brand recognition and in a way launched the brand because after that, I, I even walked the red carpet with her as I loaned her jewelry that year for the Oscars. And back then, the print media really drove the electronic media, whatever there was. Yeah. It's reversed. Cool. It seems to be reversed it's now. Reversed now, yeah. So back then, when we when I was on the red carpet with her, she'd say, "This is my jeweler, Martin Katz," and you know, wow. I'd say, "Stop it, Sharon! Stop wow. it! Stop it!" These, like these people don't even know. Who knows where this is going? You know, this is when Entertainment Tonight was maybe a, a year or two old. The other ones, I don't even know if they existed. It wasn't like it is today. 
there was no E on the red carpet. There was, there's none of that stuff. No, of course so not. I, so I was, she was actually embarrassing me, <laughs> Oh, Martin. but it was, oh, a, gosh, it, actually... it was a good thing. And, um, well, I can't, I'm trying to think what year, um, basically that was around 93 93, i believe that 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 got the notoriety of the brand and my name yeah so i went from being a private dealer to all of a sudden a brand and i had i figured how am i going to run with this newfound celebrity that i have for the brand yeah and i knew why I was primarily doing vintage, I was starting to do some of my own design work, uh, which is what Sharon selected. And I thought, well, I have too much respect for vintage to make reproductions. And when I couldn't find something to match a bracelet or something that was a deco, because I love the deco period. Yeah, so I thought if I could take the top of this earring and the bottom of that earring, put them together is what I'm looking for. And I thought, well, I'll design this. And again, I had too much respect for vintage to make a reproduction. Um, and so I wanted, I decided I'm going to make the finest executed jewelry from the finest workshops. I'm going to sign a number of everything, just like the old houses, because I knew when I had assigned a number piece from an old house, I knew it was well-made, great stones, highly desirable. Everybody wants it. I thought I may not see it in my lifetime, but one day if someone comes across a signed number, Martin Katz piece, they're going to say, I'm in. That's the good stuff. I already know it's well-made, great stones, great reputation. That was in my thinking. So again, I didn't think I'd see it in my lifetime, but fortunately, I'm happy to say that I have begun to see it within my lifetime. And many of my pieces show up at auction now. Uh, they bring, bring in more than they sold for in the boutique. and. Uh, they trade secondhand here and there. I even have some of my own clients, some of my biggest clients who will show me pieces and I'll go, how did you get that? They say, I bought it from a dealer. The person sold it. You know, there are people, they you know, divorce <laughs> or they get tired of something, but whatever. And it's like, oh my God, that's a great piece. And they, they just love that they're able to buy it from an estate dealer. Yeah. I mean, a lot of dealers buy back their pieces rather than them go. Oh, I, I do as well. Yeah, uh, it, it just depends on the piece. Anything that uh, is like all houses, we have certain things that were haute couture that we made, certain things that were just magnificent, but maybe we made limited editions, certain yeah. things that were made for the ready to wear, if you will. You know, yes. so it just depends on which category it, it falls in on whether I want to buy it back or not. Uh, and I've bought back many pieces and especially those that had pink and blue diamonds or, or, or other very rare gemstones, very fine cashmere sapphires or Burmese sapphires, Burmese rubies. I've bought back a lot of those things when I had the opportunities. Many times um, people or, or heirs or whoever don't even think to come back to the house. They just go somewhere else. So uh, I, there were several pieces I've seen that have resold that I absolutely would have bought back had I been given the opportunity. So let's talk about the red carpet, the Oscars. The odd nominations came out this week. I'm thinking a lot about, for example, in the old days, Elizabeth Taylor, she wore her own jewels on both the red carpet and in movies. And so did a lot of that era of... Um, of actresses because they they had the most incredible collections themselves um so you've dressed 
some amazing actresses. Kate Winslet, well, Adele. Adele's my neighbor. Look, I'm looking at her house right now. Oh my God. Can you tell her to sign into my podcast? <laughs> can you ask her to and record I have, I, have, I have Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis right over my shoulder that way I mean I'm so in the wrong place but what? when do you think it was that it changed from actresses you know buying these incredible pieces of jewellery and wearing them on set I mean Grace Kelly wore her engagement ring on set yeah there were times I wanted her to take it off I believe um, <laughs> for sure know, I'm not a true <laughs> I'm not a true historian of this, um, but my general understanding is from the Liz Taylor era, era, um, so many of those actresses in her era and prior, the jewelry was purchased by the studios for them as part of their acting contracts. And, uh, you know, they just negotiated that in. And so they always looked magnificent. Then there, you know, became this period where actresses like Liz Taylor... She probably had some studio jewelry too, but you know Richard Burton. They were they were very wealthy, and they bought a lot of jewelry, and she would wear her own jewelry. And on a quick sidebar, when I first opened my boutique, Elizabeth Taylor came to see me, and she purchased something. It was you know quite an honor for me. I was like my my word, Elizabeth Taylor is showing up in in my boutique. <laughs> you know how does she even know about me? How does wow. she know? Her? <laughs> and. Um, and she was a little flirtatious. And I remember uh, after she bought her the piece and she said something to the effect of, well, now I just need some place to go to wear it. And I said, well, you could wear it here. You could wear it there. Or I'd be delighted to take you to dinner. Or, or, or I can't remember if I said you should go to dinner at such and such a restaurant. No, I said... Well, I said something about dinner. I can't remember if I said I'd be <laughs> delighted to take you to dinner. Maybe, maybe I said something like I that. Bet I bet you said that. To take you to dinner, <laughs> and she said, "Well, what restaurants do you like?" And I said, "Well, my fiance and I love this one and this one and this one." And she looks at me and she said, "Fiance, can you lose the fiance?" Stop it! Stop it! This is amazing. <laughs> I, I tell this to my this wife Kelly? and fiance at the time. Kelly? Kelly. At the yeah. time, it was Kelly. Yeah. Um, and I tell this to Kelly, and she says, oh, my God, she's really flirting with you. You should go with her. I said, I, how can I go with her? I'm engaged to you. She says, oh, my God, you need to go with her. Don't worry about me. <laughs> it was really, it was hilarious. I love it. Anyway, that, story. that was, so that was a fight. That, oh that's, that's a fun sidebar to Elizabeth Taylor. It's not a sidebar. Um, that's an amazing part then, of the podcast. <laughs> and then her little dog that she had with her peed in the in the front of the uh, of the boutique on my brand new carpet. I, I don't think my boutique was open six months when she came in, mm-hmm. and and they were and they were afraid to tell me, so they were hiding that and covering that up. It was all kind of funny. At any rate, uh, where were we? Um, so we were so, talking about when it. So changed. now the red carpet comes along. Now the red Carpet comes along, and there's this this quiet period where the studio stopped doing that kind of thing, and actresses uh, were just wearing a lot of their own either jewelry or no jewelry, their own dresses. Uh, then then came even oh probably the late '80s, and you almost had the grunge look on that on the red carpet. Okay, and maybe it was the mid '80s. I, I can't remember. It was, it was getting rather grungy. Then a producer, I believe his name was Alan Carr, who did uh, 
movies like Grease, um, made a deal with Armani and Winston to okay. dress his his stars on the red carpet because he wanted them to look fabulous. Obviously. And so for a number of years, that's why you saw Armani on the red carpet and Winston on the red carpet because the steel had been made. And nobody ever came around and touched that. It was kind of sacred ground. Winston did the jewelry, Armani did the dresses, and or they wore their own, and that was it. Then comes along Sharon Stone and and I and cats. she she becomes very chic. She's wearing jewelry. She's blabbing my name. Um, and, you know, things like that take off. And then overnight, it's like, uh, who's this guy, Martin Katz? We never heard of him. Well, if he can be on the red carpet, we can be on the red carpet. And, you know, I had a couple of years where I kind of really owned the red carpet. I, I did with you know it, I, I I had as many as thirty to thirty five celebrities on every red carpet. It was can you crazy? Just, I mean that is crazy. And and one thing was when I was when I worked at Graph, I we we Lawrence Graph never liked to lend jewelry to anyone. Um, it was kind of a policy, but we did once to um, one of the Bond girls, and I have to say it was such a an exhausting procedure that I was quite pleased we never did it again. And that was one actress, you know, in, in Leicester Square. To be able to do it for 30 at, on the same night, I mean... Oh, I, I was around. That. Not that everyone had had huge value, but they're your children. And you're out, and until oh. they all come back safely, you're freaking out. Absolutely. And um, But because of that, I was done every news program you know uh, the morning shows the entertainment tonight the extras the uh, prime time with elizabeth vargas uh, on the road with steve hartman cbs uh, oprah twice uh, i mean on and on and on and that notoriety which gave me my 15 minutes of fame uh really helped launch the brand and uh, from there um you know i just kept working harder and harder. And I was a private jeweler in this penthouse till one day I couldn't accommodate the demand and the apartment was building. Uh, the condo building was getting a little upset that so many people every day were coming to see me. <laughs> and were they buying jewelry or boring? That's the big thing. Oh, I had some celebrities, several celebrities that were buyers. Good. Absolutely. Yeah. But Aside from the celebrities coming, that was just here yes. and there during award seasons. I had all my clientele coming, yeah. and uh, so it got uncomfortable. The business got too big. It got a little uncomfortable to be there. So I started to search for a retail space, and I didn't want to be in Rodeo Drive because I was such a private jeweler. Of course, quietly, uh, Rodeo Drive was too big a splash for me. So I picked Brighton Way, which is. More like the Madison Avenue of Beverly Hills. Yeah, there I opened uh, almost twenty years ago, and uh, that has been terrific. I'm just going to quickly ask a little bit about the house that you live in. Belonged to Bert Bacharach, is that right? And Angie Dickinson. And Angie Dickinson, and um, you still have his piano that he's come back and played. Well, it wasn't his piano. My wife uh, Kelly was. Uh, she just stepped down as uh, chairman of the National Committee of the Performing Arts at the Kennedy Center, which is our nation's cultural center. Yes. And we had a big Kennedy Center meeting here. And Kelly had 
coincidentally bumped into Burbeck Rex's wife and said, oh, my word, I'm having the Kennedy Center at my home. And we owned Bert's old home. Yes. And of course, we've completely redone it. But um, we feel him in the house. We would love to have him come and meet the Kennedy Center. Uh, and he, his wife said, you know, he's received every possible honor there is except the Kennedy Center honor, which he would love to have. And my wife said, well, then you're coming to our house and you'll meet the president of the Kennedy Center. and You'll enjoy a beautiful evening with us, which we had all set up in the backyard and in our front courtyard. And Bert during the evening surprised us by sitting down at the piano and playing and singing one of his compositions. And it was a a pretty moving and exciting magical. And I said to him, you know, Bert, I always wanted to believe that you wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid in this house. So please don't disappoint me, but tell me. (laughs) And he said, not only did I write <gasps> Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head in this house, I wrote the entire score to Butch Cassidy in this house, and I won two Oscars for it. That, my <laughs> goodness me, what an accolade. I mean, you must, I mean, that's really incredible. Oh, we, we have lots of musician friends that like to come in and feel the vibe. <laughs> well, I can't wait. Next time I come to LA, I'm definitely going to come to your house, and I'm expecting a whole host of musicians. And you'll be the one getting interviewed. So you've dressed Sharon Stone and you've obviously dressed an awful lot of powerful women in Hollywood. Kim Kardashian, I gather you, she bought earrings for her wedding. Kanye bought them for her, for their engagement party. For for their engagement and she wore them at her wedding. Um, I mean, she's one of the most famous women in the world. So powerful and so iconic and has given so much inspiration to girls around the world in so many good ways. And then, of course, your great friend, David Foster, his daughters, who are so stunning and who I follow on Instagram and wish. I was David Foster was kind enough five years ago when I designed the penthouse suite for the New York Palace Hotel. I was going to touch on that in a minute, but yeah. Yeah, the Martin Katz Jewel Suite. David was kind enough to be my musical director and conductor and he <laughs> put together a beautiful show for me and my friend Babyface sang and the tenors came in from Canada and an artist named Maxwell was there and it was really great. His one of his two daughters, Erin, wore had you has a your I made her I just made her engagement, engagement ring. ring. Which is just lovely. So beautiful. Gosh, I wish I had a I wish I had a Martin Katz engagement ring. Have to like play this to my husband and maybe we can do a re yeah. kind of a re-blessing. And then of course there you go. Um you've jeweled Adele and another of our kind of English roses, Kate Winslet. Kate I, I met Kate when she was 19 doing Sense and Sensibility. Wow. And uh I would uh, go to London and she and I would have tea over on Knightsbridge. It was fun. She was a drawing member meeting her parents. Her agent uh, Hilda is still a, a good friend of mine. And uh, I haven't seen Kate in a long time, but she certainly holds a, a fond place in my heart as being one of the very earliest and first celebrities that I was dressing in very early on. Well, you obviously, uh, having said she was 19, you must have been one of the first jewelers that she'd ever met. So, I mean, how exciting. Yes. Her. Yeah. And obviously you're a net porter now, which, which enables your, your incredible jewels to be more available to a wider range than just coming to your your boutique it must make a big difference to 
to, to, to women who love jewels, you know, that they can buy them online, that they can buy them for themselves. Yes. And we're developing more and more um, boutique level, especially since the pandemic. What kind of jewelry can be worn now with your sweats you know, or your Lululemons, you know, or, or just Zoom casual? <laughs> yes, exactly. So we've been developing a lot of new pieces, modest price ranges for that. So it's, that's kind of been fun. Uh, but my big diamonds and big important stones are, are really starting to sell very well again. I'm never going to forget those Pariba tourmalines. Love Pariba. Oh, Love Pariba. Pariba and diamonds. Wow. Well, Martin, thank you. You've given me, I mean, I'm feeling so depressed that I'm just living in this Dorset countryside. It's cloudy and it's rainy. And I feel like I should be on a Rodeo Drive. But maybe soon I will be. And um, wearing your jewels. You will be. You'll, be, you'll be there. On a red carpet. Thank you so much, Martin, for talking to me and giving up, you You're know, an hour welcome. of your time.